Any worshipers in the house this morning? I need at least one person in every row to volunteer to be your roles, worship leader, voluntary worship leader. Look over and tell the rest of them, you need to get with it. We came to lift up the name of the Lord. We came to give Jesus some glory and praise. Amen. Aren't you glad to be in church where you can feel something? I said, are you glad to feel something? Amen. I'm glad to not just feel something. I'm glad I've got something. Come on, somebody. Hey, hey, hey. Israel talking about me getting a little fired up, and I promise you I, I'm going to do my best to hold that back, but I, I, God messes with me. He does. I, I tell my congregation, they, they say, well, you're loud. I say, well, you don't know what it's like to have fire in your belly and thunder in your lungs, and if you knew where I'd been and what God, uh, where I'd been and what God had done, you'd shout like I shout and preach like I preach, and dance like I dance, and you wouldn't hold anything back either. Can somebody say, hey, 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 amen and amen. Well, if you have your Bible this morning, I'm going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to read verses 32 through 37, and then we're going to skip down and pick up verses 50 and 51. I intentionally did not ask anybody what time you get out because I didn't want to know. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to know. But you can take heart. I am a highly trained professional, and I can reduce a 45-minute sermon down to about 44 minutes, and uh, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. First Samuel chapter 17, if you're ready for the word, say word. The Bible says, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing that he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And then if you'll just skip down to verse 50, the Bible says, So David prevailed. Anybody interested in prevailing? So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone. And he smote the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. And therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew out of the sheath thereof, drew it out of the sheath, sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. Somebody say, take that devil. And when the Philistine saw that their champion was dead, they fled. If you would stretch your hands this way and pray with me for God's will in the remainder of this service. God, I bless you in that name that's above every name. I didn't come with anything to give to this congregation today, but I, I came, God, if you would see so fit as to use me as a conduit for what 
you desire to give. I pray that you would open heaven wide and saturate this sanctuary with your Holy Spirit and fill this place with your glory and move in such a way, Lord, that every heart is going to be changed and every person is going to be touched. I pray that if there's anybody here today that's lost without Jesus Christ before this service is through with broken heart on bended knee, I pray that they beg Jesus Christ to come into their heart and wash away their sin. I pray that you'd restore the backslidden, heal the sick, work miracles. I pray in the name of Jesus and fill every one of us with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues so that we go out of this place forever changed in the name of Jesus. Fill us up. Give us power in Jesus' name and let the church say amen and amen. Before you're seated, turn tell your neighbor, I like what you did with your hair. I do. I like that. I, I like it. I do. It looks good. I Hallelujah. <laughs> Some of you enjoy that way too much. <clears throat> Even though many of you do not know me well, I, I feel a certain affinity with you as a congregation. I, I, as I said, I, I preached up on, on the mountain there at the other place, and, and, and I think, I, at least Pastor has said this, I think to some degree I... God used and, and helped, and, and I had a, had a little part to play in the initiation of, of the Dream Big movement that took place. I don't know if you remember that and how many of you were there, but, but the dream was to, for God to do something for us, to move us out of here and put us in another place. And then I watched from a distance with wonder as God, God took that Dream Big and it evolved into that Church, and how many of you are glad to be part of that church? Amen. I mean, you you are. I I mean that church, that that spirit-filled church, that on fire church, that that let that's that let's run through a troop and leap over a wall and storm the gates of hell and turn Weirton upside down for Jesus church. That that church that's not afraid to preach, thus saith the Lord, and that church that's founded on the word of God, and that church that's ready to leap up on their feet and shout, not today, devil, that kind of church. How many of you are glad to be a part of that church? You ought to say, amen. I'm grateful to be, grateful to be a part a part of that church. But I, I, I came this morning so that I could tell you that, that it's impossible for you to have that church without having that pastor. Every time God determines to do something he raises up somebody to do it. He anoints them and empowers them and places a vision within them so that, that they can go and do what God has assigned them to do. And, and, and I want you to understand this morning that you do indeed have that pastor. You, 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 have, you have that pastor. That pastor, he came and preached with me, uh, preached for me when we had our eight-week revival last year, and and I took him to Grandview, uh, a national, uh, uh, federal, federal park, and we went up there, and and uh, we were getting ready to leave, and as we came back, there was a there was an elderly lady, and she had the hood of her car up, and 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 she was there tinkering with it, and I'll be honest, I hate to admit this to you, but but I had a lot of other things on my mind, and and I just 
nodded at her, and I, I walked by. I was going on to my vehicle. We had things to do, and service was coming, and, and, and I had to pass by. And, and I, I'm walking, and I'm talking to your pastor and his son, and, and, and I'm headed to the vehicle, and I have my keys in my hand, and, and I'm ready to go, and, and I'm talking to him, and, and he doesn't say anything back. And I turn around and look behind me, and he stopped to talk to the woman who's got the hood raised on her car. And, and, and the, 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 the person in me who likes to get things done and check off boxes thought, not today, Albert. I, I mean, we've got stuff to do. And, and I walked back there, and, and this made it even worse. He was talking to her about the weather, and he was talking to her about her car, and he was telling her stories about vehicles that he had driven. And I stood there with my hands in my pocket, and, and I debated whether or not I should say, we, we really ought to go, Albert. I mean, we, we probably ought to move on. But, but I thought that maybe God might be up to something. And I stood there and I, I watched with amazement as, as that pastor uh, began to have a conversation with that woman. And they began to talk about God and angels and miracles. And I stood there on the edge of that of that park and, and listen to him enter in with somebody. I've come by to tell you, I know why there's almost 300 people right here in this school building to become a church building because that pastor will go to the highways and hedges and compel somebody to come in for the glory of Almighty. He's that, he's that pastor. But you say, you say, well, what? But what is a pastor? And when you look at the scripture, at least biblically speaking, a, a pastor is, is in essence a shepherd. The Bible uses the, the terminology of shepherding to help us understand the pastoral role. Shepherding is one of the most common and, and, and biblical professions in all of the, all of the Bible. You go all the way back to the book of Genesis and you find uh, Abel, the second born of Adam and Eve, takes upon him the shepherd's mantle. And while his father and his brother are, are pulling a plow through that sin-cursed earth, Abel is sitting under the shade of a tree with a flock all around him and preparing one of them for the sacrifice to Almighty God. You come on through your Bible and you find great men of God who were shepherds, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, all shepherds by trade. And God blessed them so that he could demonstrate for us what pastoral ministry would really look like. But not only Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, you find that great prince of Egypt and prophet of God, an elderly man by the name of Moses who for 40 years has, has rejected Egypt and all of its treasure and all of its riches and Instead, taking upon him the mantle of a shepherd, and he wanders the backside of the desert, leading the flock of his father-in-law Jethro through the through the backside of the desert. And it's there while he's shepherding that he looks up in the distance and sees a bush that is burning but not consumed. And Moses says to himself, Isn't it something how God can get your attention? Fascinated by the fire. I don't know about you, but I want to be around people. 
who are fascinated by the fire. I want to find me somebody that'll forget about everything else and say, I've got to find out why it's burning. I've got to find out where the fire came from. I, I've, got to, I've got to go and see what it is that God is doing. And, and Moses, at 80 years of age, walks up to that burning bush and God thunders out of it and says, take off your sandals. You're on, you're on holy ground because, because God wants us to understand that there is a place in him where you can't bring what you picked up out there. You've got to lay it down and come on in and press in and get what God has and Moses is, is, has a relationship with God. That, that shepherd goes from, from uh, shepherding his father-in-law's sheep and, and goes to shepherding the flock of God, the children of Israel. And God brought him out. And, and then Jesus himself refers to himself as the good shepherd. The good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep and they know my, I know them by name, the good shepherd. Is anybody glad that Jesus is your good shepherd? You ought, you ought to go ahead and quote Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Somebody help me and hit it. I'm going to, I'm going to have everything taken care of. And, and then Jesus says to Simon Peter, after his resurrection, feed Feed my sheep. Give them something to eat. Give them something to sustain them. Give them, give them something that will help them. Give them. You, feed, you feed my sheep. And so we understand, become to understand that, that pastoral ministry is really just under shepherding. That we're called to operate under the good shepherd who is Jesus him, himself. And so we learn something about, about pastoral ministry from from the shepherds in the scripture and, and I, I could go on about Abel and I could go on about Abraham and, and even Moses but, but, but apart from Jesus the, the most notable shepherd in all of scripture is, is none other than little David anybody remember little David little David had to keep just a handful of sheep he is, a, he is the eighth, eighth son of his father and he lives in a season where, where priority and prominence are given according to birth order. He's not the firstborn or the secondborn or the thirdborn or even the fifth. He's eight. And, and you get the indication that he's the run of the family. And the Bible says he's ruddy, which seems to indicate that he might have freckles and red hair. And, and he's kind of ostracized from the rest of the family. But isn't it good to know today that no matter if anybody else supports you or believes in you, if you get your heart set on God, God can find you wherever you are. Would somebody say amen? And so David when he's just a little boy finds himself assigned with the great responsibility of keeping a handful of sheep and he must have been very concerned about his position in the family because he's willing to risk life and limb to defend, defend those sheep I can see little David sitting out there that first night that he has to watch those sheep and while he's out there in the pasture field he can hear the growls all around him and those sheep have nestled, nestled up 
close to him and nuzzled up close to him and, and David has got his own heart beating in his chest and David holds his weapon of choice a, a little sling and a handful of stones and there he sits under the, under the stars of heaven and David feels fear leap up in his spirit and David who's a psalmist and David who's a songwriter and David who's a worshiper and David who's a singer lifts his eyes to heaven and thinks about those sheep depending on him and encourages himself as he's learned to do and begins to sing this song the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he leadeth me beside the still water he maketh me lie down in grief the Lord is my is my shepherd he, he'll take care of me God, God will take care of me you don't, you don't have to fear little lambs I'm going to take care of you but God is going to take care of me and because God takes care of me greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world I'm going to take I'm Take, I'm gonna take care of you, and then all of a sudden, coming out of the, coming out of the underbrush is a, is a stalking lion, and it comes carefully, inching its way closer and closer to David, and David is nodded off, and his eyes have closed, and his his head is slumped, and and you can hear him snoring there under the under the heavens, and, and all of a sudden you hear the, the cry of a lamb, and David leaps up and wipes the sleep from his eyes and tries to find out what's going on, and, and he sees the backside of a lion disappear into the darkness, and David without one single thought races after the lion until he gets it and delivers the lamb out of, his, out of its mouth, and when the lion rises against him, David says no, not today, and courage rises in his heart, and faith springs up in him and David slays the lion and leaves its carcass laying there and then the bear came and the bear thought they would do the same but David goes after the lamb and delivers it from the lion and the bear and when war breaks out between Israel and, and the Philistines and his older brothers go down to the battlefield Jesse David's, David, uh, David's dad said I want you to go down and check on your brothers and David rides down to the, down to the battlefield to see his brothers and just at the time that Goliath of Gath the champion of the Philistines a, a mountain of a man who, who the shaft of whose spear is almost unbelievable the weight of his armor is almost unbearable he is a mountain and a monster of a man you've never you've never seen a man you've never seen a man like this this is a, the kind of man in fact Saul says to us he's been a, he's been a man of war since he was a, a little little a little boy from from the time he was able to walk they somebody put a sword a play sword in his hand and said you're going to be somebody and somebody put a helmet on his head and pushed it up over his eyes and said you're going to lead us someday and and Goliath from the time he's a little boy grows up being trained in hand-to-hand -hand combat. We don't know how many how many bodies he's left behind. We don't know how many arms he's pulled out of the socket and how many necks he's broken and how many people he's killed. He is the champion of the Philistines. He is in the prime of his military might. And every day he walks out onto the battlefield and the ground shakes beneath his feet and he lifts his head to the hillside and defies the armies of Israel and says send me just one man to do battle and we'll see who is really the best and the entire armies of Israel flee from him Saul whose head and shoulders above everybody else 
David's older brother Eliab and his other older brothers who, who are critical of David, they all flee from Goliath. And day after day, Goliath returns to his own camp without having anybody to defend God or do battle with him. David rides out as, as Goliath steps onto the battlefield, lifts up his voice as he had in days past and defies the armies of God. David whips his head around. I came by to tell somebody this morning, I'd rather have a boy filled with the Spirit of God than ten men filled with themselves. Somebody ought to say amen. David whips his head around and said, No, you did not just say what I think you said. You better shut your mouth right now or somebody's going to shut it for you. And no doubt David thought all the army was going to go running down and nobody went anywhere in David. David said, well, somebody ought to shut him up. Somebody ought to punch that joker right in the nose and make him be still. Who, who does he think he is? And, and, and his brother comes along and says, you be quiet. You ever get tired of people telling you to sit down and be quiet? Tells him to sit down. David said, no, not today. Did you hear what he said? And they go tell Saul, the king, and bring David over. And David says, now he's, he, 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 he's got that red hair and freckled face. I don't know how many of you are old enough to remember it, but, but if you're trying to picture him, look like Opie. <laughs> off Andy Griffith. Slingshot in the back of his pocket. Walks out before the king, head and shoulders above everybody else the king is. And David says, king, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about that joker and nobody needs to be afraid of him. I, I'll go fight him. And King Saul says, you're not able to fight him. And David said, well, let me, let me tell you a little bit about myself. I brought my resume with me. Mm. You know, every now and then you got to whip out your resume and just remind the devil what you've been through. And what you got victory over. I mean, sometimes you just got to let the devil know, I didn't just show up here. I came up the rough side of the mountain, and I've already defeated some devils, and I've already been through some stuff, and you came too late to tell me God can't do it because I heard the choir sing, won't he do it? Somebody ought to give him praise and glory in this house. And they... David said, no, 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 you, you let me tell you a little something. Said, 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 a lion and a bear came and stole lambs out of the flock, and I slew the lion, and I slew the bear. And that uncircumcised Philistine is going to be just like the lion and the bear. I like David. Saul said, all right, we'll let you go. I'll put my own armor on you. He put a brass helmet on his head and he put his armor on his shoulders and he put his sword on his side and little David tried walking around in it. The helmet was too big. It fell over his eyes. He tried to get the sword out of its sheath but he couldn't even get it out and he walked around in a circle, walked back to King Saul 
and said, this won't do. I'm not used to these. Can I tell you that sometimes you just got to fight with what you know. Sometimes you just got to use what you have. Somebody ought to help me. I mean, there are some seasons where you just got to say, devil, I'll whip you like I whipped you yesterday and the day before that. And the same verse that got me through yesterday will get me through today. I may not know the whole B-I-B-L-E, but this I do know. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. In the name of Jesus, you've got to go. And, and, and David said, no, I can't, I can't use these. He takes the armor off. He takes the, he takes the helmet off. He puts it all down. And, and, and Saul probably said, well, what are, what are you going to go with, David? What are, what are you going to take with you? He said, well, I, I brought my sling, and I, I brought some stones, and I, I, I'm going to take that with me. And you mean you're not going to wear a helmet? I don't need a helmet because I got God. You mean you're not going to take a sword? I don't need a sword because I, I got God. Somebody ought to help me in here. Because if you got G-O-D, you got everything you need. If you got J. E-S-U-S. You can make it through anything. Somebody ought to give him praise and glory. I came this far by the help of the Lord. Somebody ought to say, okay, you're not going to take you there. I'm going to take my sling, and I'm going to take my, I'm going to take five stones. You say, you say, why do you need five? I, I don't know, and, and a lot of sermons have been preached about it, but but, but somebody could say, well, he was afraid he was going to miss. I, I don't think that David was the kind of guy who thought he was going to miss? I mean, you don't, you don't boast about the lion and the bear and say, I'm going to take some extra bullets just in case. I heard somebody say, and I think this is probably right, that Goliath had four brothers and in case those jokers decided to come out on the field and defend their brother David was ready. Is there anybody in here ready this morning? I mean is anybody filled up, fired up and ready to move up for the glory of almighty God? I got, I'll, tell you, I'll, take, I'll, I'll take it and David, David walks out to the edge of the hill and Goliath sees him coming and Goliath be, begins to Begins to laugh and said, hey, come on over here, little boy. I want to tear you apart. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rip off both arms. And I'm going to pull you apart at the waist before I snap that little red head off of you and feed it to the birds and I might use it as a bowling ball down here in the middle of the battlefield and David said you might as well talk while you can because you come to me with a spear and a sword but I come to you in the name of the Lord would somebody help me in here I'm coming it's not about me it's all about God I'm coming I'm coming in the name of the Lord and David David begins to run down the side of the hill, reaches over in that little bag that he has and puts one smooth stone in his slingshot. And while he's running, he's whipping that around his head. And I imagine the Philistine must have thought, you've come to a bear fight with a switch and you don't know what you're up against. And he, they, he, David goes running at him. And when he gets close enough, he looses that stone and it hits the Philistine. Listen to this. The Bible says, that stone sunk into his forehead and that big dumb devil fell head first onto the battlefield why because if God is on your side God will bring you through somebody he did the Bible says specifically Bishop that David slew and smote 
the Philistine with a sling and a stone. It's amazing. He, he brought down the champion with a sling and a stone. But the Bible gives us the most curious detail when it says, but there was no sword in David's hand. And I stop there because the Bible doesn't say anything for no reason. And I say, now wait just a minute. I'm going to back up and read it again because it says, David slew and smote the Philistine with a sling and a stone. So what's it matter if he's got a sword in his hand? There were a lot of other people in Israel's army that had swords in their hand. But didn't do them any good. But it says of David, David slew and smote the Philistine with a sling and a stone. But there was no sword in his hand. And so David runs down to the Philistine, stands upon his deceased body, reaches over and pulls his own sword up out of its sheath, holds it with both hands, and raises it above his head and cuts off the head of the Philistine. And with the sword in one hand and Goliath's head in the other, he walks back up over the hill and the women start singing of David. Saul is slain as thousands, but David is ten thousands. Look what the Lord has done. And David brings the sword. The sword back in I. I thought about the sword in David's hand. Why would you want a sword when you're so skilled with the sling and a stone? I believe this is what God showed me, and I, I came today to deliver, to deliver this word to this house. You can defend a few sheep with a sling and a stone. Eliab said of David's little flock, he said, who have you left those few, few sheep with in the wilderness? While David was out there in the pasture field, you could defend two or three or five or even, even ten, even ten sheep. And I, I would suggest to you that that life is life is seasonal, and and even ministry itself is seasonal. And and God will give you stuff to get you through whatever whatever season you're in. And and David, David, David came to the platform of prominence because of his ability with a sling. And the stone. I, I can't prove it by scripture and, and, and chapter and verse, but but I imagine David would have been one of the most skilled, if not the most skilled, one of the most skilled slingers of stones in, in all of Israel. If you'd lined him up with the others and you'd had a competition, David could have hit the can from the farthest distance and, and David could have been more proficient and David's aim was more accurate and David's ability was above and beyond what, what anybody else had. And that season of the sling allowed David to go from the pasture field to the battlefield. And, and I want to tell you, there are some seasons that you will go through where it seems like what you're using 
losing to get where you are is insufficient. But I've come by to tell somebody this morning that God won't leave you in one season because if you prove faithful in this season, God will bring you into another season and God will raise you up. And the reason that God, the Bible says there was no sword in David's hand is because the Bible wants us to understand that David is in the middle of of transition. He's got one foot in the old season and he's got one foot in the new season. And I've come by to tell somebody your season of the sling is over. You can defend a few sheep with a sling, but if you're going to lead an army, you need a sword in your hand. I wish somebody would help me. I came to declare over this house this morning your sling season is over and your sword season has come. Somebody somebody ought to give him praise. Praise the glory. I don't have a I don't have a sword. I Saul tried to give him his sword. No, I can't take that sword. I, I don't think that I, I can't take that sword. And, and listen to me, the devil will try to convince you that you're not qualified to go from one place to another place. The devil will try to convince you that you ought to just stay up on the side of the hill and you ought to stay in the gravel pit and you ought to be content with what you have. But God will begin to stir you up and say, no, I, I thank God for what I've been doing, but there's more in me than what I've already done and I can't stay here. Somebody ought to help me in this place this morning and what got you where you are won't get you where you're going somebody ought to give him praise and the sling the sling and the stone season had to end it's as if God was saying David I I appreciate that you write songs about me and you and you write me love letters and you sing I've watched you as you defended those few little sheep and David I I've been looking for somebody because I'm finished with Saul. Saul's too full of himself. He, he won't listen to me. He won't obey me. i, I got to find me somebody. I'm talking to somebody in here this morning. You might not think God even knows where you are. But God, said, God was saying, I, I, I got I to make a change at the top. I, I got to move the king out of position and I, I got to put somebody else in his place because he doesn't honor me. He doesn't, he doesn't respect me. And God, God says to Samuel, the high priest, he said, I, I need you to stop weeping over Saul and I need you to go anoint somebody else to be king over Israel. And God says to Samuel, I found a man. I found a man after my own heart. I've come by to tell this church this morning, you You've got a man after God's heart, and I know he's not the only one in here. There's somebody else in here this morning, and God's about ready to do something in you. But God said to Samuel, I found a man after my own heart, and I want you to go anoint him to be king. And he went down to Jesse's house, and when he saw the oldest of the sons, he said within himself, he said, that must be the Lord's anointed. And God said, no, the problem is you look on the outside, but I look on the inside and it passed by number one and it passed by number two and it went through all seven of the older brothers and God said no 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 and Jesse said David uh, Samuel said to Jesse do you have any more boys in this house and Jesse said we we got we got you know that red-headed kid he's but you can't really want to talk to him he's out in the pasture field Hadn't even had a bath. Going to smell like sheep when he comes in here. 
And I like this about Samuel. Samuel said, you better hurry and get him because we're not even sitting down till he gets here. And all those older brothers who got rejected and looked down on David, one of them had to run out there and get baby boy and bring him back in the house. And when he walked in, God said, that's my man, but you better hear me. He wasn't a man. He was still a boy because God doesn't see who you are. God sees who you're going to be. And I've come by to tell somebody, God's getting ready to put a sword in your hand. David goes back to the pasture field after his, his defeat of, of Goliath, but he doesn't stay long because if you watched him go back, he came out as a, as a shepherd with a stone and a sling, but when it went back, he went back with a sword because he was already a king because God sees what he has planned for you. And I've come to tell people in this house this morning, lay your sling down and take up your sword. God's about ready to raise you up and do what you didn't even know could be done. I've come by to tell you today, Pastor, God's getting ready. He saw your faithfulness. He saw you defeat the lion and the bear, and he's getting ready to put a sword in your hand and raise Raise you up to lead a mighty army. Somebody ought to give God praise and glory in this house this morning. You, you lead armies. You, you lead armies. You, you lead armies. You lead armies with swords. You don't lead armies with slings because, because people don't follow somebody. They just those rocks. They, they follow a champion. They follow a leader. They follow somebody that's proven and, and can handle a sword. But, but watch this, David. The Bible said David didn't have a sword in his hand. You say, what do you do when the enemy's got better stuff to fight with than you do? What do you do when you got a sling and he's got a sword? What do you do when he comes out with all of his stuff and you just got those few little verses that got you through yesterday. I've come by to tell you, this is what you do. You take his stuff away from him and you use it against him. Somebody ought to help me in here. What do you do when the devil's got more than you do? You run on him and you take it away from him and say you've had it long enough for the glory of God. I'm taking it in the name of Jesus. I've come to declare God's getting ready to give you what the enemy had and you're going to use his own stuff. I love it. I, I love the Bible because it's just so powerful. But, but I, I, I love this part of it because when Goliath got up that, that morning and put his sword on his side, it never entered his mind. He might have sharpened it all the night before. Oh, yeah, send me a man, Israel, send me a man. It never occurred to him because the devil, I will spell it out so he can't catch on. The devil is D-U-M-B. It never occurred to that joker 
that before the sun sets tomorrow, this same sword is going to be in somebody else's hand and my head is going to be in the other hand. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on, somebody ought to leap up on their feet and give God some glory. We're going to take the devil's stuff and use it against him in the name of Jesus. Come on, stand with me all over the house. Come on, stand. Stand with me all over the house. I know this is not for everybody. It's not for everybody. But God is looking for some people to promote. God is looking for some people he can raise up. God is looking for some people who've been faithful with the sling and the stone so he can put a sword in their hand and raise them up to do what they never thought they could do. And if you'd be so gracious this morning, just all over the house, if you'd just bow your head. Just bow your head for just a moment. And I do realize that I'm not preaching to everybody this morning. And some of you are in a hurry to, to get out of here and go on with the day. And I understand it, and I don't hold that against you. That's between you and the Lord. But I do believe there are some people here this morning who while I've been preaching have had what they've been feeling confirmed. God's got a greater purpose for me. There's something down on the inside of me that I can't shake. There's something down on the inside of me that I can't dismiss. I feel like I've got victory. I feel like I can overcome. I feel like I can operate on another level. I feel like I could handle a sword even though I've never had one in my hand. I feel like God can use me. I feel like God will anoint me. I feel like God is going to help me. And I came looking for those people this morning. And I'm going to anoint you with oil as, da as Samuel anointed David. And I'm going to pray over you this morning that God's going to raise you up. That your season of the sling and the stone has passed. And God's promoting you to something else. Where'd Pastor go? Pastor, are you available? Hallelujah. Pastor, would you come just... Join me up here this morning. I'm going to anoint you as well. I believe this. I declare. I declare over you this morning, man of God. You've been faithful with the sling and the stone. You've been faithful. But God's going to promote you. We're going to enter a new season. The weeping and the worry have not been for naught. God's been birthing something in you. And your hands are qualified for you to do something great for God. God's going to raise you up to lead a mighty army. Before I pray for your pastor this morning, if there's anybody else in this house, that you'd be bold enough to step forward and say, I know nobody else sees it. And I know nobody else will even believe it. But down on the inside of me, I feel like God's getting ready to do a thing. I feel like God wants to raise me up. 
I feel like God wants to promote me and I'm willing to say Lord here am I if there's anybody else in this place this morning like that I want you to come out of your seat and join me in this altar this morning come on don't hold back don't let the devil intimidate you you come for the glory of God because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and God didn't bring you this far to leave you now anybody else come on all over the house this morning hey 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 Hey, hey, hey. If you're here and ready to go to another level, I want you to lift both hands to heaven. We're going to come by and pray for you. I don't know who the altar workers are in the house, but, but if the prayer team, the altar team, if you would come, do you have oil? Would somebody bring me anointing oil? Hallelujah. 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 Thank you so much. If you're ready to go to another level, if you're ready for God to do something in you that nobody else has even seen, but you know it's in there, if you've got the courage, if you've got the courage to slay the lion and the bear, if you've got the courage while everybody else is standing still or running away, to be a champion for God. It, it, listen to me, you've got a champion in this house and Weirton is never going to be the same because God is raising up an army and the devil doesn't know what he's about to deal with because God's going to unleash some power in this city and you're going you're gonna to do great things for the glory. I told you. I told you before he started, you was in for it. He'll preach the whole Bible tonight when you come back. He just got half of it this morning. When you come back tonight, he'll preach the whole Bible. I am uh, I'm of the belief that you shouldn't waste any time coming to church. I, I'm, I'm, one of these, I'm one of these people that I want to take full advantage of every opportunity God gives me. I'm getting too old to waste time. When you... When you read the word, when you hear the word, faith cometh by and hearing by the word of God. So, so when you read the word or when you're exposed to the word through hearing, or there, there's words on a page, and those words are important. It's called logos. And reading that word does an impartation into your spirit that can change you and revolutionize you, but... If it just stays on the page as logos, then you can have an intellectual appreciation of it, but it won't ever manifest the blessing in your life. You can quote it. You can have it on your t-shirts. You can put it on post-it notes and have it on your mirror so you can see it while you're brushing your teeth. And you can recall it through memory, but you'll never see the blessing manifest itself in reality. But when that Logos becomes rhema. See, this, this word is not just words printed on a page. I know there's churches out there, denominations out there, that just teach it as if it's just words on a page and a good manual for you to try to live by. But we're that church. We're that church where we want to see it change from Logos to rhema. Because I don't want you to just memorize it. I want you to live it. 
I want the blessings to show up in your reality. I want you to go to work and see what this word promised you has already beat you there and has already changed the atmosphere there and has already opened doors there and has already promoted you there and has already prospered you there. I want your marriage to come in broken and disgusted and ready to uh, uh, give up because it's barely hanging on by a thread but because I quote Logos and you receive it as Rhema, you see that thing turn around in your spirit and some the blessing shows up in your reality. That's what we do here. When you come to church here, we don't want to waste your time. We believe every time you come here, your life should change. That every single time you come here, you ought to take something with you you did not have. And I'm not talking about memorizing a new scripture or a new story, but that you ought to feel an impartation of heaven-touching earth. And you know that you know that you know that something changed in my life today. That's what we do here. We're not as dead as last year's bird's nest. We want to see this thing. I, whoo, ha, ha, brother, I'll make me run. <laughs> that, that's not a shouter shouting up there in case you're wondering. That's not somebody that usually draws attention to himself and he's shouting up there. So that's what happens when this thing, see, that's what it means when this spirit quickens your spirit and something comes alive in you that you just can't contain. That's the difference between here and those churches that are as dry as last year's bird's nest. This word is alive. And if you'll receive it as rhema, your life will change. Marriage is restored. Prodigals coming home. Promotions at work. We're not just one of these people that just believes because it's printed that, it, that it'll manifest. It's, no, no, no. You have to. Faith cometh by and hearing by the. That's right. We're a word church. I've never apologized for that. There's faith churches. There's worship churches. There's prayer churches. There's missions-based churches. And God bless them all. But I've never apologized that we are a word church. Because the word got me here and the word will keep me. When everything else was falling apart in my life, word has been what has sustained me. And bless God, you have been exposed to word here today. Bishop, you did a marvelous job, a masterpiece, and I, whew, I feel like a victor. Do you, do you see what you see what shifted in you? That's the rhema. Some of y'all came in here worried that you couldn't even find your five stones. Your slingshot was busted. Only one side of it still connected. You come dragging in there this morning, and you leave them with a sword in your hand, saying, "Where's that devil at again? Where's that giant at again?" I'm. He picked the wrong Sunday to mess with me. Because I, 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 now I feel like a victor. That's what the rhema does for you. You are easy to preach to. I appreciate that. Every, I wouldn't have stayed here so long if you guys did not love the word of God. Because I, I can't preach to people who don't love the word. Because I've told you all my stories already. I've told you all my jokes. I don't have nothing else. So if I, if I didn't have the word to preach to you and you wouldn't receive the word, I'd have been gone already. I had to, went to another church. So thank you, Promise of Victory. Thank you for loving our family through the years. Thank you for receiving the word with gladness. And thank you for always supporting us, praying for us, praying with us. And most importantly, thank you for not wasting your time following Jesus. Because you really want to grow. You really want to get better. And you really want to influence the community where we live. God bless you this morning. Come back tonight. Go ahead and plan. Set your alarm. Get back here at 630. God's up to some good thing. God bless you this morning.